before we continue to submerge into our inheritance that God has concealed in Jesus Christ. The unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is the book of Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and with the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts. To put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the realization of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it, which will then result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life? In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth? Relevant to this, when God created man, he... This was not dependent, uh, not independent from us. We had the desire to be born, so he responded to that also. Relevant to this, we already looked at a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the conditions that we need to fulfill in order to, by the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High, destroy the stronghold of death in our body in the form of reigning in its sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise, and afterwards erect the, the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to study the next condition. This consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has, the wisdom that he alone has and power reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. And this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we put off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, that is, of course, if we are familiar with what he's done by being instructed in the faith, 
and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. And also what we need to do from our side so that we can provide God proper grounds to fulfill everything that he is for us in Jesus Christ. We've noted that this event is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God Most High and also the confrontation of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul together with reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds because it is by the means of the confession of the faith of our heart stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus and what God has done in Christ Jesus and who God is for us, God receives the required basis or grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise and make us then carriers of the heavenly body. In character, the prayer Psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer that we together have been studying so that we can pray accurately and similar to this because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer. The condition of his heart was grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. Our motives identify the right we have to offer praise. If the altar is sanctified upon it, you can then bring your prayer, a legitimate prayer. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which gives God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all his enemies. And the third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the human mind as it is presented in the specific psalm in an epic genre. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer contained in the eight names of God Most High, or El Elyon. Getting to know and confessing the prayer, the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David and allowed us to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, to be saved from his enemies. And here is this prayer, because as soon as we confess it, this gives God the ability the proper grounds to use his abilities and his names to battle for us, for our bodies. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer, the Lord is, this, is my strength in whom I will trust, the Lord is my shield, the Lord is the horn of my salvation, the Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot in the power of two names of God, strength and rock, and stopped to look at the lot contained in the power of the name of God, fortress. We note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God Most High is the strategic teaching that is proposed to be the calling 
and mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed to rule over their earthly body, which then gives us the power or the right to be a warrior in prayer. If you don't have these three forms of anointing, you are not a warrior in prayer. And so if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling in the form of his earthly body in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, then this revelation proposed for worshiping God in prayer will not be beneficial to him. Therefore, the quality and the lexus is identifying the name of God fortress that has become the subject of our study is not something that is able to be found in any existing dictionaries of this world. In the given prayer psalm of David, the word fortress is used as one of the names of God, in which is concealed the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and through whom a person is able to run to God in order to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, containing a program and time of fulfilling of all oath promises of God. In Hebrew, the name of God, Fortress, is identified in Scripture as the dwelling place of God, God's home, the sanctuary of God, the unapproachable light in which God abides, the place where a person gets to know God the opportunity to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. This is the success of God, the joy of God, the hope of God, and the trust of God. Practically, the lot in the name of God fortress is a place where God abides and within the boundaries of which we are able to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. Out of these boundaries, it is not possible to receive into yourself the seed of the kingdom of heaven. We we're talking here about the ability to receive. And when people are convinced that the kingdom of heaven is inside of them, empty words, as Christ said, the kingdom of heaven is in you, people say, well, that means then it's in me. I believe that the Lord has redeemed me. I believe in this, yes, but that doesn't mean that you have the kingdom of heaven. Because little children, as they become older, they think that they're already uh, adults and they play the role of a mom and a dad, but that doesn't mean they are a mom and a dad. They need to be grown into full measure of growth and then their heart will be ready to receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven. And as we know, the placement of this fortress is located in three unique realms, in the heights of the heavens, in the sanctuary, which is the body of Christ, and the heart of a man who has a humble and contrite spirit, one that trembles before the preached word of God, hearing it from the mouth of the person who is clothed into the power of a father from God. Studying this consistency of the law that is contained in the name of God fortress, we need to not forget one indisputable condition, and that is that God can be our fortress only upon one condition, and that is if our heart will be his fortress. If our heart is not his fortress or not a fortress for God, then there is no grounds that God has to give us the ability to approach him. We can pray, but that doesn't mean we're approaching God. We are not a priest. God hears everything that happens, but he does not hear our prayer as a prayer of a priest.
Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another one also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9:57 through 62. According to the words of Jesus, in order to become a partaker of the inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress, we need to satisfy three conditions. First, our heart is called to become a fortress for Jesus in which Jesus would be able to lay his head and for this to happen it is necessary for our heart not to have holes for foxes or nests for birds holes for foxes is when upon your list of priorities prophecy the prophecy of men we prefer over the written word, the true word. We don't examine them according to the word, forgetting that prophecies are given in the church for edification, for comfort. They are not given for correction or discipline or to reveal sins of others. The word of God is given for this, and the person whom God has placed and the conscience is there. And when you hear this word and you have a conscience, the law is in your conscience, the sin will be revealed to you. The world comes to correct, to discipline the church, to punish the, uh, to, to punish the world, to, to, to discipline, to punish the world. But the church needs to know what's right and what's wrong. And when they do something wrong and fall into a trap, they call out for help and the Holy Spirit does not begin to punish her, but gives a way, a path, a way to get out of this trap, out of this dark tunnel that they've uh, ended up in. Oftentimes they say, when you lead a child, uh, you hold it by the hand, he pulls his hand away, and finally doing so, he falls into a, a puddle, he hurts his knee, you don't just leave him there, you come to him, you comfort him, you clean his wound, and you tell them, I, as I told you, you should not uh, let me, um, uh, go of my hand. And so that's how God works. I com- he comforts and says, that, as I told you, you need to always be in a specific place where the devil is not able to reach and not give place to the devil. That is where I will be able to protect you. But when you pull away from me, you let go of my hand, you absolutely will end up in an unfortunate situation. When the nation of God uh, stepped away from God, when they walked, they had this cloud over them. And uh, when they were under this or under this cloud, no one has uh, dared to touch them, not a single serpent, animal, person, or demon were able to come to that place. But as soon as people voluntarily left, they voluntarily needed to stay under the cloud and keep watch uh, where that cloud goes. 
voluntarily. God does not force anyone. A person needs to voluntarily be upon the place where he can be protected. Second, it is necessary to allow the dead to bury their own dead. These represent that category of parents that being Christian people have rejected the offered to them truth in the form of the preached word spoken by God's delegated one and refused to pay the price to be the student of Jesus. And so when parents, you have their parents like this that have refused to obey the person whom God has placed and begin to curse their children because their children die for them, in a sense, this curse does not, of course, impact these children but returns back to the one who spoke them. Third, by following Jesus into the fortress of his heavenly Father, it is necessary not to look back or focus your eyes or your attention upon your nation, the house of your father, or upon the corrupt desires that we not be in the likeness of the wife of Lot. The, con uh, the consistency of the Lot contained in the name of God Most High, in the virtue and purpose of fortress as the house of prayer, is for us a strategic teaching pur purpose for performing prayer, providing God proper grounds to enter our life in order to fulfill his will, elevated by him for us as his given law. As well as one of the most important and necessary disciplines or truths called to participate in our salvation, as well as our coming to power over our calling, which is adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Therefore, our lot in the name of God fortress becomes one of the primary goals that all of the redemption of God is focused upon and that on your list of priorities is to be placed above all secondary good works and goals, however attractive or good they may appear. But as soon as they are placed upon your list of priorities greater or above the redeeming of our bodies by the redemption of Christ, then immediately they are no longer good. We conclude that our inherited lot in the name of God Fortress is a place that independent from circumstances and time we are called to run into this fortress <clears throat> again independent from circumstances and time we are called to run into this fortress in order to receive grace for needed help in order to get to know God abide within God and be fertilized by the seeds of the truth in order to grow the fruits of the spirit therefore it is necessary for us to study and determine in what way and upon what conditions we're able to enter into the presence of God so that he can be our fortress where we can get to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven within our spirit so that we can grow from it the tree of life. <clears throat> their nobles shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? Says the Lord, you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Jeremiah 30, 21, 22. And so the nobles, <clears throat> their nobles shall come, and their governor, and the governor that will come from their midst. Um, and the first governor was 
Jesus. Uh, until the time of Christ, there were uh, governors who represented Christ. And after Christ, when he was taken to heaven, people still remained on the earth to whom we can hear or who we can hear come to. These are his apostles, his prophets, his teachers. The verb to run to God as to your fortress contains the opportunity giving the person the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the promise that belong to the door of our hope, in the, in the fruit of which God receives proper grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and with noise forever thrust him out from within our body, this old person, whose stronghold and armor is the stronghold of death, upon which he relies and trusts. In Hebrew, the phrase to run to God means to approach the altar, draw near to know God, enter into the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, run to God's help, find yourself in the fortress of God, be able to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven and grow fruit of the spirit. Due to such a list of definitions, the lot and name of God fortress contains various meanings and independence of the circumstances and the time has multiple meanings and is multi-angled. First, the name of God as fortress abiding within our heart is called to be the legitimate level of a relationship with God where a person receives the ability to get to know God and God receives the proper basis or the proper foundation to get to know a man. Second, the name of God as fortress abiding within our heart is called to provide us the ability to receive the seed of promise that God has ordained from times of old but that we, due to specific reasons, have not yet been able to receive. Because due to our spiritual growth in our new person, the reproductive function has not yet been formed, giving us the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. Third, the name of God fortress abiding within our heart is called to incorporate the participation and power of God into all aspects of our life to give us the opportunity and the ability to approach God and by doing so be fertilized by the seeds of all the truth so that as a result then in the name of God deliverer we can bear fruits of the spirit able to clothe us into the virtue of his light in order to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and with noise thrust him out the old person into hell. Therefore, every time when God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows a person to run to or to approach him, then in result of such closeness or contact, we always will have a corresponding or suitable fruit in that aspect in which we were allowed to approach or run to God. Therefore, it is us and every individual aspect of our essence that are responsible to form such an atmosphere within our heart that would be able to become a fortress for God in order to provide God legitimate grounds to be our fortress. And such an atmosphere is called to be the good soil of our heart, capable of receiving the seed or a heart that is cleansed from dead works that has or contains the law of God. Only she is able to receive the seed of the preached word of God so that in the name of God deliver, we can then grow the fruit that is according to the nature of seed we have received. It is independence of our choice and following that choice decisions and actions that will determine if God will become our fortress or the opposite will become our revenger and our hater. And this choice is our decision to either carry responsibility for our calling and our selection 
or the opposite, refuse to carry responsibility for your calling and your selection and draw the wrath of God upon yourself. Therefore, if we don't make a decision and will not take upon ourselves the responsibility to fulfill the agreed-upon bias obligations in our covenant that we made with God, God will not have any grounds or reason to help us or to be our fortress. And he knelt down and prayed, Jesus, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When he had said these words, his heart was not able to be a fortress for the Heavenly Father, although he called to him, if it be your will that this cup be taken away from me. He knew it was God's will, if it be your will. But this was not a fortress for the Father, but to make his heart a fortress for the Father and receive help in time of need, he then continued, but not my will, but yours be done. What did he do here? He had spoken the phrase and then he had spoken a phrase and then rejected that phrase. I do this in prayer often. I, I uh, state a phrase and then I think about what I said and I say, Lord, I take that phrase back and I replace it with something different. Jesus did the same thing right here. He began to pray uh, this one phrase and then took it back and said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And as soon as he had done this, his angel, uh, the angel came and assisted him. His heart then became a fortress for God. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him so that he would be able to fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father. Looking at the given testimony, we can see that to create an atmosphere that would provide God the ability to help us and give us power to run to Him is a collaborative and everyday work between God and man where a person possessing a sovereign right is able to give God the legitimate basis upon God's strict and indisputable conditions to make his heart a fortress for God. At the same time, God, in response to such goodness and disposition of a person to him, receives the legitimate basis to become a fortress for this man, where this man can run to in order to quench his hunger and his thirst, in order to get to know God and draw God's favor upon himself in the seat of the kingdom of heaven. By being instructed in the faith, we turn or draw God's favor upon ourselves. We are fertilized by the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. Considering such a necessary union of God with man, it becomes vital for us to identify in every aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. <clears throat> and for this purpose, studying our lot in the previous names of God called to be the lot of our salvation, we have come to the necessity to look at a series of questions. What characteristics and criteria identify our inherited lot in the name of God Fortress? What purpose when it comes to achieving our salvation in our inherited lot in the name of God Fortress called to fulfill? What price do we need to pay in order to provide God the ability to be our fortress? And by what results do we determine that God is truly our fortress in our fulfilling our calling? And our calling again is to, uh, to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. First, not having clear or comprehensive answers to these questions that we can receive by being instructed in the faith, 
within the indisputable structure or order in which the body of Christ functions, we will not have any ability to invest our silver in the form of our guarantee of salvation. Second, by strictly obeying the preached word of the man that possesses the power of a father from God and his helpers, we will not have any ability to receive profit in the form of the fruit of righteousness from the guarantee that we have invested. <clears throat> As it is written, for all of the promises of God in him, in Jesus, are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Not a single precious promise can be received into the heart, and God cannot lead us into it without the apostles, without the people that have been given the power, uh, endowed with the power authority, uh, from God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 In a specific format, we've already looked at the essence of the first two questions. Therefore, we'll turn to study uh, question three. What price do we need to pay for our heart to become a fortress for God, which would give God the legitimate right to be our fortress? In the previous service, we already looked at the first two conditions that, when fulfilled, makes our heart a fortress for God, which then provides God proper grounds to become our fortress where we can get to know God. The first component of the price for the right to approach God consists in bearing the fruit of righteousness to God in the name Maher Shalal Hashbaz. He sees the reward and he quickly goes to it or strives to go to it. Second component of the price for the right to approach God consists in fulfilling the condition, making our heart a fortress for the Holy Spirit, which gives the Lord Jesus legitimate grounds to seat us upon his throne, called to become our fortress. Second, uh, third component for the price for the right to approach God is refusing to consume alcoholic beverages or drinks. As some may not want to hear this or complain why do we need to hear this we already know this or what you still have uh, people that drink when I speak these words I don't speak them only to myself and, or to people in this room but to other people that it will reach that still think that drinking even in small amounts is okay and so that they can hear this word and they be saved from hell because someone convinced them that there's nothing wrong in that and when they have received this concept, this idea their conscience won't judge them their, your conscience judges you based upon the truth that you've received into your heart and when you do something wrong and you've received the truth correctly then your conscience will judge you <clears throat> if you've uh, received the idea that drinking is not a sin and you don't need to honor God with your tithes and you don't need to acknowledge the theocracy or structure of theocracy then your heart won't judge you because you have received a foreign interpretation or teaching. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, when you come to me to the fortress, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean. Leviticus 10, 9 through 10. When I speak with certain individuals or people sometimes, one-on-one -on -one people that come, uh, come here or visit here, you know, I come home, drink a box of wine, and I still feel good, and I, my mind is still clear, I still see the difference between what is holy and unholy, clean and unclean. Um, 
And he says, I am not uh, the, uh, convinced or attracted uh, to other women. But that's not true. He lies. Before the bride of the Lamb is, lap uh, is raptured from the world, the church in its majority will remove the forbiddance of alcohol consumption. So much this so much so that there will become an unusual deficit of soberness among them. This element of wickedness or impurity was the distinctive element in the days of Elijah, which are the symbol of our days. It was in the days of John, uh, the, uh, of Elijah and John the Baptist also. Luke 1, 15 through 17, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will not drink, and he will, uh, he will not uh, convince others to do this. And those who were drinking will quit. He will turn them to the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Luke 1, 15 through 17, prepared for the Lord is a sober virgin and pure nation. Bodies need to be prepared for the erection of the resurrection of Christ in the body. If you uh, drink just a little bit of alcohol, your body will not be prepared. You know this truth, you want it, <clears throat> but you need to pay that price. This is easy if you really, really want it because the reward that you will receive is so great and so powerful that for the sake of it, you can sacrifice this wine or alcohol. The goal of this prophecy sums up to preparing a way for the Lord or to fix your lamp to prepare yourself to meet with the Lord. The fact that John, similar to prophet Elijah, because he was a Nazarite, does not drink wine or intoxicating drink, indicates the fact that the church in its majority and the majority of its leaders, before the rapture of the bride of the Lamb from the earth, will do the opposite by the means of corrupt teaching, which will include culturally acceptable or restraining, or a restrained form of drinking, will remove themselves for uh, from the forbiddance of consuming alcohol bev alcoholic beverages, which is why among the chur uh, church there will be an unusual deficit of soberness, which will be followed then by moral perversion and dissipation that will be covered or concealed by a visible godliness, lifted as a rank of spirituality. And to clarify for yourself the character of soberness and be clothed into the virtue of its good wisdom, we will pay our attention to the words of scripture about wine and about soberness, and then we'll have the opportunity to approach God as our fortress. The quality of alcoholic beverages and its destructive power does not ha have any valuation. As similar to a tornado wipes all that is great, wonderful, and moral from its path. <clears throat> it takes the lives of men, destroys family bonds, decreases the moral image of a man to the level of cattle and bear a uh, bears and rips apart your relationship with God. And so the biggest deception is a controlled form of drinking or the teaching of controlled drinking. They uh, teach that this is a level of spirituality. I will remind us of one of 
атеистических докладов. And it was signed and re uh, researched by 150 men of study. And they, to, uh, with this conclusion, had brought it to religious leaders and to, uh, and to, their le and to other leaders and to the government. Before all, they say it is necessary to understand that alcohol is a poison that destroys the lives and health not just of one person, but also all of mankind, and this poison is dangerous in any amount. And so anyone that in one or other way will uh, propagand this uh, uh, controlled form of drinking needs to, need to be looked at as the true enemy of the nation and one that will degrade the people. These are, these are things that the atheists say. How, fall have you, how low have you fallen? Considering the danger of alcohol in any amount, we need to uh, decisively refuse to uh, drink it and have a sober life. And a sober life is what the better of mankind has always uh, desired. And so based upon the position of scripture, drinking alcoholic beverages and the position of all uh, men of, of, of clear minds, be uh, sober leaders, pastors, you need to be sober, you need to be pay attention. Uh, you are responsible for who you listen to, who you follow. Be careful of those who teach this. This is a foretold, according to scripture, uh, destructive shepherds. And in order to be moral individuals for those that are under their responsibility, as well as the perishing world with their pervert, uh, perverted way of, of, of seeing things, they support those secret organizations that are intentionally uh, uh, trying to bring uh, into leadership the Prince of Darkness. They, uh, alcohol uh, also weakens your immune system and your ability to fight these uh, infections, and this is in the spiritual uh, sense. In one of his final books, I personally read this phrase. I read all of the books of this uh, gentleman, Rick Joyner. He is part of the Masonic structure also group. Uh, controlled form of, of uh, drinking is uh, a level of spirituality. If you don't uh, drink yourself stupor, then you are a spiritual person, is what pretty much he said. And so the teaching of controlled form of of drinking is a heresy that leads people to destruction, for whom the, their fortress is the spirit of destruction and not the spirit of truth. And so before we <coughs> pay attention to other places of scripture that will show uh, the quality of soberness, I will show us uh, how the progressive uh, 
group of, 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 of individuals <coughs> of the world have uh, spoken about alcoholism. <coughs> and so here are the sayings that <coughs> you will hear. Was Ivan became a fool and wine is to blame. In a puddle of vodka, even the wealthy drown. To drink vodka is to destroy yourself. Vodka does not heal, but rather damages. You've loved wine and scattered your family. Wine comes and shame leaves. Where there is wine, there is trouble. <coughs> Where there is drunkenness, there is crime. Who drinks alcohol, that one washes himself in tears. And so again, who drinks alcohol, that one washes himself in tears. <coughs> one that loves wine destroys his heart. You won't get any work out of a drunkard. To drink and to do sinful acts will mean you won't see good. A drunkard in a nation is a weed in a yard. A drunkard does not go himself but is led by evil. A river starts from a stream but drunkenness from a glass. To be friends with vodka is to waste your health away. Glasses and cups will leave you empty-handed and in prison. Beautiful glasses, but the house is in ruins. A sober man can break trees with his fists, but a drunkard's axe won't work. And so again, different uh, sayings like these. See how famous men, philosophers, uh, intelligent men, doctors, uh, speak of, of alcoholism. Wine makes a person uh, as cattle, and he first appears as if leveled, then he turns in, into a monkey, and begins to play as if were games. And then he becomes very self-reliant, arrogant, confident, is a known strength, but in result he turns himself into a pig, and like a pig lies in the mud. Drunkenness is the mother of all bad. Drunkenness is the reason for the weakness and illnesses of all children. This was uh, spoken by actually a very famous Greek doctor. From wine beauty dies, wine shortens your youthfulness. These are... Drunkenness is a practice of foolishness. There is no body that is that strong that wine can't damage. Drunkenness is a voluntary madness. Gershon writes, wine deafens a person, giving him the ability to forget, artificially brings him joy and irritates. This deafness and irritation is most likable to one that is not educated and more likely to be drawn to a narrow and empty life.
Wine makes a person like cattle, and an animal makes him vulgar and distracts him from bright thoughts, makes him dumb. Wine destroys the body's health, kills the brain's strengths and abilities, destroys families, and the worst of them kills the lives of men and their children. People consuming wine become harsher, stupider, and ruder. Our mind and our conscience in the most assistive manner demands that we quit drinking wine and stop offering it. A drunkard never goes forward, not intelligently or in a moral way. Alcohol cans the soul and mind of a drunkard. If you've ever been in an institute when you saw uh, uh, cans of, of, of a human body, uh, you've seen it like in, in the places of study, uh, and so they compare that that's how alcohol cans the soul and mind. What is difficult to, the fact that it's difficult to stop drinking uh, and smoking is just a false uh, conviction for themselves. Uh, vodka is white but makes your nose very red. A drunkard even in the brightest road is dark. Alcohol is a social evil that is hard to even evaluate. Alcohol destroys the health of the person and not just that it poisons the body, but makes a person subject to all kinds of other illnesses. You can say how many uh, bottles of wine were drunk is how many tears were shed by both the wives and the children. No uh, destruction uh, or other accidents or uh, in the world have destroyed or killed as much as alcohol has killed or destroyed. You know that what a person drinks from his glass is one that, and, and that is the tears, blood, and life that he drinks of his family. Amongst all of his sins, alcoholism is presented as if it is not a bad thing. A drunk person is a person that has lost all of his soberness and his mind. Alcohol takes his mind from him for a specific time and turns him into an animal or a cattle. The reason for many of the conclusions are because of the wine glass. In the bottles I see horrors that will become real. I imagine that before me there are embryos and serpents altogether from all of the evils 
this is the greatest. And you can continue, but I think uh, just these that I've even uh, read, uh, these are people that weren't Christian, just uh, people of, of intelligence, people that are doctors, philosophers. Um, the church needs to think that people like Rick Joyner or others like him that teach that it is okay to uh, to drink, uh, stating that they drink uh, wine uh, by the glasses, and I still worship God and nothing's wrong. You can say that nothing's wrong, but Satan uh, keeps them or preserves them, but we don't know if they're actually that nothing's wrong. Everything starts with a glass and then ends with something more uh, that is much more evil. I shall present ten reasons, although there are many more of them as why it is a sin to drink alcohol and how God looks at those who drink it. First, wine contains the quality of rebellion and all other uh, very ugly forms of behavior. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, Proverbs 21. Wine allows your conscience to become silent and attracts a person to perversion. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it, bi at the last it bits, bites you like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying that you have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? Proverbs 23, 31 through 35. Third, wine has the ability to uh, take wisdom away from kings. It is not for kings, O Lemonel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Proverbs 31.4. If we took control of our body after we began to drink, uh, even in small amounts, wine begins to control our body, not ourselves. We take our, we give our control to alcohol when we begin to drink. Fourth, drinking wine uh, is pretty much a disaster for anyone else that is around you. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Isaiah 5.22. And woe is uh, the worst form of, uh, of, uh, of stating or stating it as that it cannot be fixed. And so if a pot is made out of clay and it is uh, broken into many or shattered into many pieces to make the same exact a pot from the very same uh, chips that are broken is not possible to, or to rebuild it again. That's what he meant when he said, whoa. When he said, I live among men that are of a impure mouth and he uh, realized of himself that he also had an impure mouth and God gave him a way out of that. The cherubim took a hot coal from the altar of the Lord with and uh, 
touched uh, his lips, his, his tongue, and you know that if a coal, is, uh, a hot coal, truly touches the mouth, it, what happens? Drinking wine is the price that a person pays for losing the kingdom of heaven and loses his salvation also. Do not be deceived. Drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. These people that are leaders and say that drinking is not a sin, um, they say drunkards is when you've drunk a lot, but we don't drink a lot, they say, we just drink a little. But the scriptures call drunkards not those who drink a lot, but those who drink in any amount. Not one that just drinks so much that he sees things, but any amount. Again, a drunkard is a person who consumes alcohol in any amount. Sixth, drinking wine bears dissipation and in no way is comparable with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Do not uh, drink it. Do not uh, satisfy yourself with it. There's also another definition, do not drink a lot. Do not drink it, do not satisfy yourself with it. If from it there's dissipation, then it is clear. So if you drink a little, then you'll have a little bit of dissipation. So again, drinking little, you have a little bit of dissipation, then you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't. You can speak in tongues, but you won't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit, receive revelations from the Holy Spirit. A person being filled with the Holy Spirit always speaks in tongues, but one who speaks in tongues is not always being filled with the Holy Spirit, especially if he drinks wine. It doesn't matter in what amounts. Drinking alcohol or wine is a work of the flesh and is not comparable with bearing to God fruits of holiness. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 20 through 21. Uh, why do you think that many of the people who left, left? I knew that they drank even before they left. And uh, they... Uh, they would drink, but they secretly drank. And, and when they left, they had said, uh, Pastor Arkady did not allow us to drink, but we have made the determination we actually need to drink. Drinking wine uh, brings forth, again, uh, revelries and other things. Galatians 5:20 through21. Drinking wine and serving God in the temple of your body is not possible and is death-like. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink you nor your sons with you when you go into the tabernacle of meaning lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, Leviticus 10:9. The two sons of Aaron died because they drank wine and came to God, came into the temple. And if in that temple people came and God killed them, imagine what God will do in this temple. He says, I go to church for such a long time and others, and nothing goes wrong, nothing happens. If something does go wrong, you're already dead to God a long time ago. And you'll begin to... 
do charismatic things, but not in the positive way. You're going to start shouting, uh, doing something, running somewhere, and will continue to drink and think you're so smart and that no, there's no one else smarter than you are. Drinking wine uh, lacks a person uh, of dedication and is linked to dedication that's supposed to be linked to your calling. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrate an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. Number 6, 1 through 3. You may say, well, we're not a Nazarite. A Nazarite is how a person is supposed to dedicate himself in the covenant in the New, in the New Testament. Consuming wine will then drink the wrath of Almighty God. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out from her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. It's talking about the fall false church that lead churches and allow them to drink. They say, I don't uh, drink myself, but you can drink. There's nothing wrong. Uh, you, don't ha you, need, you don't need to hide from me. Uh, that's when pa pastor was preaching in the church and teaching. If I go into a restaurant and you were drinking, continue to drink, may God bless you. Everything's fine. They will be together in hell. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. Revelations 18, 4 through 6. The danger of alcohol in any amount is incomparable with the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to decisively refuse to drink it. Uh, a sober life is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so those who insist that you can uh, moderately drink, they will not have any ability to make their heart a fortress for God so that God can be then their fortress. Fifth element of the price for the right to approach God consists in having a covering on your head. <clears throat> and Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your head nor tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the people. But let your br brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. Leviticus 10.6. This is, was told to them when uh, the two uh, brothers were killed. Uh, they brought profane fire into the temple and God killed them because he was angry. Uh, Moses told them, do not uncover your head and do not tear your clothes lest you die and wrath come upon all the people. We've talked about this more than once that according to scripture, by themselves the coverings that cover the head are always a sign of acknowledging over yourself the delegated authority of God. This is a symbol and such an acknowledgement of authority over yourself is observed by God as an acknowledgement of his glory and his reverence. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics and you shall make sashes for them and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. You see how God sees obedience and submissiveness when the younger obeys the elder. He sees this as glory and beauty. But people uh, see this as weakness. <clears throat> Oftentimes people say, what? Uh, they of offend um, the children of God. 
A judgment is already prepared for those who state such things. And so a person that does not acknowledge God's authority over themselves and making the attempt to approach God will be blocked by God because practically, specifically acknowledging over yourself the delegated authority of God allows us to live under the covering of the Most High and be covered under the shadow of the Almighty to live under the covering of the Most High or having a covering on your head according to the New Testament is to abide in Christ or to be covered or concealed in God and so to prompt us to understand it is necessary to have a covering on our head I'll remind us of some moments of scripture that will testify about what we will have being in Christ, having this covering upon our head. Christ becomes for us our covering to abide in him is to acknowledge his authority over ourselves and to abide in him. You need to make your heart in a way that he can abide in your heart. And he will abide there if we will not drink wine and understand subordination, which God has implemented in the body of Christ in order to, in order to save us. And so first, abiding in Christ, we will be freed from all condemnation that comes from the love of sin and death. Romans, uh, in Romans 8, 1, 2, Apostle Paul writes, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. See what this covering do does. Speaking about abiding in Christ, we are talking about a covering. That when a person is under this covering, for him, there's now no condemnation. God can't condemn him because this covering that is upon him is responsibility. This covering is not a simple covering, our acknowledging of Christ, that God will ask about the sins of this person and he'll ask of it from the person who's the covering he'll ask of him God will not account our sins to us or to a person when he takes upon himself the guilt of his household if <clears throat> this house is obedient to him if the church if the saints are in obedience are acknowledging this authority of God in, in me <clears throat> if anyone sins and I begin to pray and take the guilt upon myself in this way then God will not account this as a sin but he won't account it to me either when a person takes upon himself again the guilt of the house because he represents Christ this person who already took this guilt upon himself and redeemed us that doesn't mean that I take him up the, the sin of my house uh, Christian parents need to do this they need to take upon themselves the guilt of their children however hurtful it may be when sons or daughters do something wrong or not as we would like them to and our hearts are, are wounded and God sees that his wrath is immediately upon the children because curses anyone who uh, has done this to their father and mother if they legitimately had done this 
Some don't legitimately do this. They, when a person does what God has said, but not the parents, this is uh, something different. When we're talking about Christian parents, then these parents need to say, even though my heart is wounded, don't pay attention to this wound. This is my daughter, this is my son. I cover him from your wrath, may it be upon me. And God likes to see that when Moses said, may the wrath be upon me when he was praying about the nation. Don't destroy this nation from before you. And God said, I heard you. I will not destroy this nation. God always did this when David said, may your wrath be upon me and why are you punishing the nation? And God stopped his wrath in its path. He showed him, God showed him that uh, David was answering for this nation. As soon as David said, may this wrath be on me and upon my father's house. Uh, and so then David, nor David or the nation, was punished. When we are in Jesus, we are under this covering, then there's no condemnation because Christ in this discipline, in this covering, in this theocracy, in this law, he delivers us, he frees us from the law of sin and death. There's, the law is not present there anymore because there where the law, the law is, it gives power to sin, but he removed this law. And so in the covering, again, so we understand in obedience within the boundaries of scripture, we're not uh, required to be obedient out of the boundaries of scripture, only within the boundaries of scripture. And when we're obedient within the boundaries of scripture uh, to this authority, but we do something that is this in disobedience, then specifically this authority in this discipline eliminates this law. God does not again account this to, to them. And we see this often that when a person, as we see the family of, of Jacob, his, his children were under him. And when when uh, the two of his sons had destroyed a nation that had actually circumcised themselves and committed themselves to God, he, they had, uh, Jacob said, what have you done? Now the nations that surround us will find out about what we did. You had broken this law and we will be destroyed because of this, but we read further. And God's fear was upon the surrounding uh, countries and they did not pursue them. They were guilty, they had committed a great evil, and Jacob had uh, acknowledged that, but he was a covering for them. And God did not destroy for that reason them or the surrounding nations. See how important that is. Abiding in Christ, we will possess wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. When we have upon ourselves, again, this covering, <clears throat> we become possessors. This is the key. This, this covering is the key to wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31. When the discipline of, co of the covering representing Christ 
it represents Christ upon our head as a covering. People say, what is this? A regular uh, cloth upon my head, a hat or hair? These are not representations of Christ. These are just uh, headpieces, as it were. But our And our hair also does not represent Christ upon our head that he, he is our he is our authority he is our head but obedience within the boundaries of scripture to uh, obedience of the authority authority of our parents the pastor the policeman in the street the teacher in the school any uh, form of authority this gives us the right our obedience of people that have uh, Authority, of course, our obedience needs to be within the boundaries of Scripture. This opens us, opens up the key to wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Our bodies cannot be redeemed or adopted if we have a democratic form or structure within the church. When people will say, well, we have to have a democratic structure, how is it that one person decides everything? It is God who decides and not one person. It is not the one person. It's the God who has placed this person and it is God through this person makes those decisions. God does not decide uh, by a union or brotherly uh, councils or anything in the likeness of that. Yes, the pastor can turn uh, to brothers for advice and <clears throat> when he hears it, he can definitely take that advice. <clears throat> as uh, the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin only made, made decisions in, in the smallest things and only when the priest uh, needed that, when the high priest did not uh, sign, uh, say sign off on, on this, uh, hypothetically speaking, if he didn't sign off on whatever they uh, uh, said or or recommended, then it did not become law. Third, abiding in Christ, we become carriers of such a resurrection that will re resurrect our body in the present before the coming of Christ. It shall resurrect our, resurrect our body. Those who have died uh, because before the time came, but those who haven't died and the time came, they'll be just transformed in the blink of an eye. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, so again, a, a, a simple covering or a headpiece or a hat is not a uh, covering as it is uh, stated here. For each one his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Interesting phrasing that is shown here. Apostle Paul writes, Christ had already resurrected, but here he writes, but each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming, as if Christ had not yet resurrected, he still needs to do that. Yes, truly, uh, Christ needs to resurrect in every individual person. The resurrection of Christ needs to happen in every individual person. If de the death of Christ comes there, there needs to then be a resurrection that follows because resurrection is a result of death. If there's no resurrection, then the death had not of Christ had not uh, properly uh, functioning in you. You have not submerged into it properly the covenant is not correct. 
<coughs> you can accept the baptism, but if you don't know the teaching, you don't know the covenant, you don't know what you can or cannot do, then, of course, the resurrection will not come. The resurrection comes when you completely submerge into the death of Jesus Christ in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire. And so it's very important. Each one his own order, Christ the first fruits. And so when he resurrects, he, when we consider ourselves dead to sin, living for God, we consider ourselves dead, de uh, living for God, dead to sin, and proclaim the non-existent as existent in our body, then he resurrects you. But in the beginning, first, Christ, because you received the death of Christ into yourself, and the teaching of the resurrection. Abiding in Christ, we will be established and anointed by God to receive our destiny, that is, in his precious promises. For all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God, 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 21. Not having this covering, we will not be established in Jesus Christ, and we will not receive the anointing, the anointing, the power and authority uh, in our battle with our old person in order to bind him within ourselves, to can him and till the time that resurrection happens, to keep him. Uh, uh, closed up until the time of him being thrusted out comes. Abiding in Christ, we will be placed independent from religion, nationality, status, and gender. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as bapti were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all who, all in one Christ Jesus when you have this covering. For all are one in Christ, Je uh, Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This gives us the right to the inheritance, not just is our righteousness, our salvation established, but we also receive the right to the inheritance. Sixth, abiding in Christ, having a covering upon yourself, you will have uh, faith working through love. Galatians 5, 6, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith working through love. It turns out that when you will be doing something according to the faith, then the uh, regulator will be God's love agape. Abiding in Christ, you will be persecuted because of your godliness. Yes, you all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 And so there are people inside that will rebel. They don't accept specific things and they begin to then uh, spew uh, poison from their mouth, uh, negative things. They begin to uh, break the laws of brotherly love, which is very dangerous. Eighth, abiding in Christ, we will be able to overcome all of the barriers when it comes to uh, 
achieving our purpose in Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who is who strengthens me. Philippians 4:13 having a covering upon your head, we will have such power that uh, people say sometimes, I can't do this, I won't be able to achieve this. When you, uh, you can't because you don't have a covering, you don't have obedience. Ninth, abiding in Christ, we will possess peace that is uh, surpasses all understanding and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Philippians 4 7 in Jesus Christ a person is guarded when he has anointing then the peace of God uh, enters into his heart when you don't have a covering upon your head you don't have you're not in Jesus Christ you won't have this peace abiding in Christ we will have a guarantee to be raptured before the morning star for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by <clears throat> will by no means precede those who are asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God <clears throat> and the dead in Christ will, will rise first then he uh, and we are who are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord therefore comfort one another with these words 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. And so those saints who called themselves saints were buried and they did not have an understanding or knowledge or desire to have this covering. And then they died not in Christ. It's talking about those, that category of saints that died in Christ. For today, our, uh, our, our word is the, uh, our sermon is up right now we're going to bend our knees and pray our heads and we will thank God for the word that we were able to receive today and may it be a blessing for us and may it keep us, may it guard us from alcohol and also from all for, forms of destruction or rebellion and we will acknowledge the authority that is over us within the boundaries of scripture. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again and again, I thank you that together with your people upon this blessed place, I can praise you, I can lift you up. I can be surprised by your love. I can be surprised by your wisdom. I thank you that I am covered in you from all storms and trials. I thank you for this wonderful promise that is real. May it be glorious. May it be for every person a beauty that has received these precious promises, the adoption of their body by the redemption of Christ. We thank you for this calling and this selection. Allow us to make it more and more assured so that we can not stumble and so that for us a freeway may be open into the kingdom of your son Jesus Christ. I thank you that we already abide within this kingdom 
waiting for the glorious appearance that is from heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ. May your mercy be a blessing for your people. May the works of the devil be destroyed, the strongholds that are within the minds of men, false strongholds that are not in accordance to the spirit of the truth, that are not in accordance to the written word, may they be destroyed in the minds of those people that somehow this stronghold was erected, either they did not know or ignorant uh, due to the ignorance. May they be pulled out from under the power of those leaders or authority of those leaders that instead of being an example for the flocks, they actually govern themselves over the flock and belittle the flock. I thank you, Lord. According to your word, you had said, pray that the Lord of the harvest may come, for there's a lot of harvest, but not many workers <coughs> because of their own personal uh, greed and selfishness. <coughs> Send out your workers to your harvest your humble ones that would be able to be led by your Holy Spirit that would be able to have upon themselves this great covering your glory. We thank you for your nation that I can be together with them, worship together with them, rejoice together with them, sing together with them. I worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs>